Welcome to Fostering Solutions, a podcast that uplifts people and enterprises making positive impact in communities around the world. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Foster. It is my pleasure today to have the brains of the Paradise Farms operations on on Fostering Solutions. Um, These are um, a group of urban farmers in Dunbar, West Virginia. And you're gonna hear all about them and about my favorite project in the world, uh, Paradise Farms. So guys, just kind of tell us your name and your role there at the Kisra Paradise Farms. Um, I'm Michael Jones, I'm the interim CEO of Kisra. There's another I'm, Michael. Yeah, I'm Mike Easter. I'm the Paradise Farms farm manager. Okay. I'm uh, Teray Johnson, and I am the assistant manager at Paradise Farms, and also the uh, lead instructor for our um, for our agricultural training program. Okay. And uh, I'm Joey Alloy. I am the food hub marketing specialist, which means I handle for the farm all the. Uh, um, sales and marketing of the produce, but I also do aggregation and distribution work as well. Okay. A little fundraising every now and again. Well, that's always good. We, have, we all need lots of fundraisers, don't we? So what is, I mean, what's, what is Paradise Farms? And what's, and what's, you know, what's great about um, what you have going on there? Uh, Paradise Farms is one of Kizzle's, uh social enterprises. Um, it is uh, one of our initial projects that we had that we would we were using to uh, create jobs. Um, of course, it started across the street. Uh, we Kizzle bought through the leadership of this young lady here. Uh, we bought some properties. Uh, that had some de- uh, dilapidated houses and trailers on them. We cleaned them off um, and built a couple of greenhouses, put some uh, outdoor beds um, for growing. Um, and then eventually we built a packing house and we have used this as uh, to create, uh, try to actually resolve some of the, the issues around the food deserts in the state. Um, and. It is one of our more exciting uh, projects that we have. Let me say we're on in Kilsra, and uh, I'm gonna let these guys talk more about that because I'm just a janitor. So, <laughs> so what do you guys? Um, what do you stay? Stay on that question if you don't mind. Stay on that question because yeah. there, there was like a two-part question there, right? Because you were saying you was asking what, about what the is farm. what's Paradise Farms and. And then you what said what's you, good about it, right? What's great about it? What are the yeah, best yeah. things about it? Uh, well, I'll, I'll start that off. I'll say, man, the, the, the best part about it is, um, well, there's two parts that make it the best, I'd say, is that one, um, because we're so small and in an employee number that it gives us a chance to, to actually uh, learn and grow with each other, um, you know, personally. And then also just the fact that we're able to, to be in a um, – just a, just just an integral part of the whole food service industry as far as natural local grown uh, 
produce comes is, you know, it gives us an opportunity to, you know, to kind of, to kind of make, make an impact, so to say. Okay. Yeah. And I just, to go back to the first part of the question, um, <laughs> what, what is it? What do we do? Um, Trey ought to be tooting his own horn, but he's too modest. Uh, we don't just, we don't just uh, work on solving food deserts and food access issues. We also create, we try to create a whole new generation of farmers by giving people second chances, whether they are um, previously incarcerated or folks in recovery. And Trey does a lot of that work as the lead instructor, making sure that um, folks who need a hand up to get their foot in farming have a place to do it. Okay. And, and when people hear farming, when they hear farms, I think they may be surprised that um, how big this farm is. Because tell them about how, how big is Paradise Farms. Well, Paradise Farms sits on about an acre. It's, uh, it consists of, of a, um, two greenhouses that, um, that are Cadillac greenhouses, as we like to call them. They're uh, identical twins. They are um, 96 by 30, um, consist of 44, I want to say, uh, 44 raised beds, um, a 30 by 50 packing facility, cold storage, um, the, uh, the ability to, to distribute, whether it be through our trucking systems or partnering with those in the community that already do it. Um, gives us a chance to be, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mike and Joey, gives us a chance to be five out of the eight steps of the uh, value chain um, when it comes to local local food and produce. Are there any challenges that you experience? The biggest challenge I can see is usually, especially right now, is is with the production we have going on and the amount of sales we're doing right now, is we kind of are constantly running out of space, you know, to plant and produce. So, you know, we're limited to the amount of, uh, you know, produce that we have we can actually distribute because of that but doing pretty good for what with what we got joey were you going to add to that no i was i was gonna um say the same sort of thing that keeping up with demand is difficult given that like today said we're only on about an acre and um we couldn't even do half of what we do in terms of production if our um if we didn't have one greenhouse that was completely hydroponic so it you can get a lot of food and a little bit of space that turns over really quickly. So you can get continual harvests. Other than that, I mean, the main challenges are just sort of the usual for any farming operation. Sometimes you'll get some bugs. Sometimes your soil won't be so good. Sometimes you'll have pollination issues. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes the carrots or radishes will be ready earlier than you thought, sometimes later. And, uh, and so even though there is, more demand for our product now than there probably is supply. Sometimes we'll just have a whole bunch of supply faster than we thought, and we'll have to like uh, start uh, start running down the phone tree. Yeah, so it's it's not very predictable, is it? Farming as a whole, it's hard to predict all the time. Well, I think one of the great things about uh, the team that we have now, um, which is better than we've had in a long time is that these guys do have uh, their system to some level of predictability. Like Joe and Mike was talking about, there, there, there are things that happen that you can't control and things that you don't want to happen. 
but but the system that they have now is pretty exciting that there is a level of predictability which has helped us in uh, our estimations of sales and um, marketing and so mm -hmm. that 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 has been a great 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 resolve in our operations um so and while they talk about the unpredictability, there's a lot of it that is a very predictability predictable based upon the system that they have in place right now. So that's awesome. So talk some about the growing systems that you have, the growing methods that you use. You mentioned greenhouses and raised beds. Yeah, Why don't you talk some more about those methods? Yeah, we have a an NFT system which is nuclear flow technology. It uses a liquid fertilizer that runs through these tubes that you can, we can plant up to 4,000 plants in this one greenhouse. Wow. And if you, if you stage it properly, you can consistently harvest the same amount each week. And that's what we're working on. And then the other greenhouse is all raised beds. So the, what normally what people would be doing outside in soil, we can do inside year round like, you know, grow summer crops like tomatoes and cucumbers and some other things like that, even through the winter if we, if we need to, want to. Okay, what about outdoors growing? You do have some beds outdoors as well, right? Yeah, we have 40, I think Trey said 44 raised beds that uh, we're growing in just pretty much as much produce, different types of varieties as we can, we can fit into the small space that we have. Now, did you have some towers at one point? Some growing towers? We, yeah, we still do. The, the aeroponic towers. Okay. Yeah, we, we grow a lot of uh, leafy greens and sometimes herbs in those. Okay, so you, meant, you mentioned leafy greens and herbs. What else do you have growing now? Oh, we have uh, carrots, a variety of root crops. Uh, lettuce, uh, different types of herbs, basil, oregano, uh, variety of leafy greens, kale, chard, collard greens, uh, have cherry tomatoes and different varieties of heirloom tomatoes. That's a lot. Yeah, the, the I've got like spinach in my fridge now and last week, where are we? I think it was last week. I mailed some, or the week before, I mailed some collards and Swiss chard to South Carolina and to New York. So my family, is, they're enjoying your, your greens as well. So just so you know, it's getting around there. Um, so take us through like a typical, let's say my favorite, the Swiss chard. Take us from the process of growing that, like from seed, do you grow it from the seed, from a like, how do you take me from seed to plate with, say, your Swiss chard? What is that process like? So we uh, we do have seed um, for the Swiss chard. We don't do that just um, uh, from plants, but we seed it ourselves, and we can seed it either in um, a hydroponic growing medium or directly in dirt, depending on um, whether we're where we're trying to grow it at the at the uh, time of year and um, then uh, we'll water it for usually about a week um, either inside or out in the greenhouse depending on whether it's dirt or or the uh, hydroponic growing medium 
um, and then we plant it. Either uh, chard is one of our most sort of um, uh, versatile crops. So it can grow in the towers, it can grow in the dirt, it can grow hydroponically, grow in the raised beds. If, if we uh, wanted to grow leafy greens in, um, you know, pots, containers, um, we could we could grow chard in there pretty well too. Uh, and um, and then we just wait for it to get large enough to harvest. It, uh, it really grows itself at that point as long as we can keep it watered if it's in dirt and as long as the hydroponic system stays um, functioning smoothly in the greenhouses. And uh, So how long would it take from seed to, to um, production? It usually takes about 50 days. 50 days? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good, good, good. So let, let, let's go back to one of your questions because cause, um, from my observation, like between the, the raised beds and the, uh, the hydroponic, the aeroponic tiles and the, and the, and the, the, uh, the, the hydroponic uh, plates that we have, I call them plates, but trays, tables. We have more problems with the, the towers. Towers are really great if you've got a, a retail operation and you're just going to harvest it fresh or for your own home um, and you're going to harvest it fresh and just take it straight to the table or straight to a customer. Um, the NFT system is maybe a little bit more uh, smooth smooth for, for the whole crop. Is that Does that seem like a good summary there, Mike? Yeah, it's... But the NFT system, you, you have consistent, more consistency where, I mean, everything's grows at a more even rate. And with the towers, it seems like with the system, that system, uh, some areas get more nutrients than others. You don't have that problem in the NFT system. Okay, okay. One thing I will say I like about the chart in the towers is there's less product waste. Um, in so you know different plants grow differently the lettuce grows straight up and kale grows straight up as well and mustard greens chard sort of kind of flops over it's a member of the amaranth family like a beet and if it does that in the tower you can still harvest every leaf uh if it does that in the dirt the ones that touch the dirt will just become part of the dirt and if it does that in the um channels it'll sometimes get caught on uh on parts of the trays but you're producing so much more when you're doing it in the NFT system that uh, it, it more than evens out in terms of volume. Okay, good, good, good. So um, I know it's no one works alone on anything. So I'm sure you guys have partners. Who are some of your key partners? So I'll say um, in terms of sales, marketing, aggregation, and distribution, um, we partner through the Turnrow Collective with a whole series of nonprofit and for-profit farms that really helps us get our name and our product to areas that we couldn't do otherwise. So Turnrow has a lot of, um, a lot of members, um, Sprouting Farms and Refresh Appalachia are the sort of big uh, wings. And then we're the, we're sort of the anchor here in the center. And um, through those, networks and routes of logistics, we can get our product to places like 
Princeton in Mercer County or uh, Davis and Tucker County to Morgantown to Wheeling. Um, customers who love our stuff and would love to see it every single week, but that um, if we tried to make the delivery on our own, they couldn't buy in the volume that would cover our gas. Uh, but if we all pool together with a whole bunch of farmers, it makes it much more efficient in terms of fuel use and employee hours and that sort of stuff. Um, so is it uh so a collective that's is that different from that's different from a csa it is you can't do a uh, um a collective csa or a multi-farm csa um that's what uh hudson farms does uh sort of up in the northern part of the county and um and this is it's there's online and retail versions of uh of markets for the collective um, the retail version is kind of like a CSA, except that the buyer gets to get on the online marketplace, turn row online marketplace and like fill their own cart as if it were Amazon. So they only get the items they want. Um, so it's much more, you know, customers are much, uh, much, uh, picky customers are much happier with that sort of a model. Um, but wholesale is, uh, it's more traditional kind of wholesale. You pack up a whole case or six cases of this or that and it, ships to a restaurant or a school or a grocer. I know you, you've all been there for different lengths of time. What have you learned over the years? What are some lessons learned over the years? Ture, you want to chime in on that? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, I say, well, I'd say one of the lessons learned is um, go with what you know and learn what you don't. <laughs> um, Throughout, throughout the process of growing, you know, um, as you may know, and Mike and everybody, everyone else on the call knows, we know we've been through some ups and downs with this, uh, with this farming venture. Um, a lot of us not necessarily uh, uh, farmers, you know, farmers by trade, um, more or less farmers by, by training. Um, so, um, yeah, just go with what you know, uh, learn what you don't, and utilize the individuals around you and the resources around you um, in order to, uh, to propel yourself where to the stage that you believe that you should be or stepping stage to get to where you want to be. Okay. That's good. Mike Easter, what are some lessons you've learned? Well, one of the biggest things is it's almost like a, a juggling act trying to get everything in place and in order for to do the, a full line of production and you never know you know at any time one of those balls can just drop so you don't know what you're going to be selling what'll be hot one week and then next week you may plant and expect to sell that same amount not sell any of it so i mean it's all just you know you never know what's going to happen mm -hmm. keeps you on your toes doesn't it it does <laughs> joey what are some lessons you've learned um try and have a sort of good sense of the big picture and, and be patient. Um, I can remember uh, three or four years ago, early in my time um, with Paradise, being asked, well, this big picture thing, is it really gonna work out? It seems like you guys are going through hard times. And I said, I think three or four years we'll be doing pretty good. And, uh, and it's hard to really, it's hard to really know um, know that for sure you have to have a lot of faith but you also have to trust that you can think ahead of times and mm -hmm. if you know that there is interest in uh 
demand and you know that you have skills or you can find the people with skills, um, you got to have that kind of faith. That's good. That's good. Mike Jones, anything you want to um, add in terms of lessons learned? Well, I think the, the, just to add on what, to what these guys have said, um, I think one of the biggest lessons that kids has learned through this process with Paradise Farm is you got to have the right personnel in place to, to move, to move the, the enterprise forward. Um, and, uh, have someone who's very strategic in their thinking, um, and, uh, very open to new ideas and and just open to to the possibilities of of what the the operation can be and have the courage to be able to go out and to 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 seize those opportunities and uh and have the right persons in place that's going to be able to work work with what they have and so and that that's what these guys have been uh, great at doing. They're a great team. They have uh, their own language and communication that they have amongst each other. That I kind of just stay out of a little bit. Uh, but the, you have to have the right have the right people and have the right kind of persons in place to have the right kind of vision to move the the, the process forward. So yeah, having the right people on the bus, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Always so important. Always so important. So what, why should people buy from Paradise Farms? Why? Because we're the greatest farm in the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, and I, and, I tell, and I tell people this, and I'll let these guys talk more. I have been around farming since I was a kid. I really have, and this, this is no lie. I think my first, my first uh, experience was at, at a farmer's market when I was about nine years of age. Um, selling peaches and, and, and watermelons and all that good stuff like that. But if you go to if you go into a grocery store and you buy something and you go home and you cook it, similar products, and you you come and buy stuff from Paradise Farm, and you go home and cook it, I guarantee you immediately you will see the difference in the quality, the difference in the taste. Um, it is just so much better to have something harvested uh, within a few minutes before you take it home than to have stuff shipped over over long distances. Our staff, they they are as passionate about our customer base as they are about the process and the products that they're growing. And I think when you're engaged with 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 our staff you will see that. So I think that's what makes us great and which makes kind of sets us a step above uh, what you may experience at a regular grocery store or if you go over to a farmer's market. So, Absolutely. I can, I can testify to that. I can testify to that for sure. So how would someone make a purchase from Paradise Farms? What's the best way for them to make a purchase? There's several ways. I mean, you can go to paradisefarmswv.org and order online. Uh, you can email us, call call us. I think the numbers are on the web page and on the, on our Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Or you can just stop by 132 Perkins Avenue and uh, come in and see what we have that day. And that's 132 Perkins Avenue in Dunbar, West Virginia. That's right. That's right. 
So what's next? What's coming up next for, um, for Paradise Farms? Mike Jones, Mr. Interim CEO. Well, uh, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Mike 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 talk about it. We have a couple of things that's going to be happening over summer, so I'll let them talk about that um, because they have more of the details and the locations and all that good stuff like that. So, Okay. Well, well I know that hopefully we'll have the, the West Side Grow Room up and running before the end of the summer. And uh, we also have an opportunity for to lease some acreage in Lincoln County from the Oddfellows Group. So uh, if that all comes to fruition, we'll be, we'll, won't be have the problem of space anymore, I don't believe. So I mean, we'll be able to expand and do everything that we need. Um, we also have a partnership with um, uh, Mansion's Greenhouse Market in, um, City, um, right across the river from us. And um, we're still working on what a lot of those details will look like, but it'll be a partnership both in terms of training. So she has value-added space and retail space that we don't have here in Dunbar. Um, so she can train our, our workforce trainees on that front. And, uh, and she's been a good customer for a few years now. And you can often find our carrots or radishes or lettuce on her, her the shelves at her store. So we'll be continuing that partnership as well. Awesome, awesome. And I know and, we, uh, we didn't get to talk about this a lot, the workforce partners, because you, you've got a, a workforce development program. Yeah. Yes. So, so talk briefly about that before we wrap up. Second Friday, um, beginning on June the 12th. Uh, so we'll go June the 12th, and then every second Friday through um, September, we will be having a pop-up um, pop-up farmers market on in Nitro um, on the parking lot of People's Federal Credit Union in partnership with them. Awesome! 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 And the the last question you said uh, the workforce we, development. We didn't get to talk about that. Yes. Where you're where you work with folks in recovery and yes. re-entering. Talk briefly about that. We, uh, we are partnering with the Department of Corrections uh, and Rehabilitation, because that's their new name now. Mm -hmm. um, and we have uh, volunteers coming over, uh, usually three times a week. Um, and they come over and work on the farm and learn uh, all the techniques around growing and harvesting. Um, and um, we also have a partner with uh, Recovery Point Charleston, uh, where women from uh, recovery from recovery they come down and volunteer, um, and we're looking to expand <laughs> that relationship. Once this move, uh, once COVID nineteen moved past, we uh, were in talks with uh, RCCR and um, Ray of Hope. So we have we were having those conversations right before COVID nineteen uh, hit, and ladies from uh, Ray of Hope will also uh, have the opportunity to come down to learn uh, what we're doing as an operation, and also we we're working with the Youth Bill Program, um, and they they have uh, volunteered over. Well, they, they're not volunteering action. They're, they're in the program and they have learned the farming construction and also the other uh, levels of operation at Paradise Farm. So uh, those have been great um, in helping us 
uh, with with what we're doing and also to help other people learn. And then we also have a, a partnership, I think, through Volunteer uh, West Virginia. And we have two miracle workers that are actually working over at the farm also. So, And their focus is food access. Um, and the idea was, everything's different with COVID. The idea was for them to literally hand grocery bags out to uh, young kids and now they're kind of staying in the packing house and packing grocery bags up and shipping them to kids. So we find ways to work around these issues. That's great. So local foods, local jobs, and local change. That's what Paradise Farms is all about. Thank you guys so much. It's been great speaking with you today. And I wish you all the best in your growing endeavors. And, you know, you, you've got a customer here for life. <laughs> so keep keep growing. I wish you all the best in your plans to be able to grow more and to um, get more locally grown foods out to our community. Keep Dr. Foster, we would like to thank you also for your, your continued support. And we do consider you to be a partner of uh, Paradise Farms. So. Amen. Exciting. <laughs> thank you so much, guys. It was wonderful having the urban farmers from Paradise Farms in Dunbar, West Virginia, as my guests today. They are making great strides with regards to growing local foods, growing local jobs, and making local change in West Virginia. Find out more about them at paradisefarmswv.org. Until next time, this is Michelle Foster of Fostering Solutions. God bless.